Well, welcome to week one of Sex Ed. Uh, it's been kind of funny for me to get some of your reactions to what's coming up. I've had several people say, uh, I, I'm just not coming uh, for a variety of reasons. And I had one person just now say she's really excited about this topic because uh, although she's had kids and grandkids, her mother never had the talk with her. So she's ready to have the talk. So that's, that's good. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and let me just be really honest with you. This is a very awkward subject. Anybody else feel awkward today? Because I really do. Uh, not least of which because my parents are here today and uh, why they decided to come and, and my Aunt Esther is here today and my childhood Sunday school teacher is here today. And so <laughs> it's, it's a little awkward, but we're so, I'm really glad to have my family with me and uh, I, I'm not ashamed of anything that I'm going to share. It's just, it's just awkward. My, my wife said to me this week, oh, there, I've already broken the rule. Uh, Chris said to me, for the next four weeks during this message series, there's two words I can never say. My wife. Never. I, I'm not ever supposed to say that. And I've already blown it. But <laughs> that's the rule. But I firmly believe that because we live in such an oversexed culture, sex is everywhere. You can't go to the grocery store without being confronted with sexual images and sexual information just on the front of a magazine. Uh, I absolutely believe that we have to be grounded in the truth of what God says about sexuality. And so that's why we're going to be talking about it for the next four weeks. And I want to just start off right away by talking about why we're we're talking about this and what the main point of it is. So if you want to take notes this morning, there's note cards in your chair pockets or on your chairs, and you can grab those note cards. And uh, I, I just want to start off by talking about the main point. I hope that this is what you will remember more than anything else this week. And, and it's this. Great sex that honors God starts with your blank. Anybody have any good ideas of what it starts with? What, what's your most important sexual organ? Your mind. You got it. Absolutely. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down. Great sex that honors God starts with your mind. And, and it's interesting because I believe this from a Bible perspective, that great sex that honors God starts with your mind. But any, anybody who's ever studied sex or, or psychologist or therapist that help people with with sexual addiction or sexual problems will tell you what happens in your mind is key to having a healthy sex life. And as Christians, it is so true. If you want to have great sex that honors God, you have to start with what you think about. Godly sex starts with godly thinking. But here's our problem. Here's our problem for all of us, even if we're Christians and have been for many years. The problem is this. Satan has been the sex ed teacher for many, many years. And that's a problem. Why is it a problem? Because this is what Jesus said about Satan. John 8, 44. Jesus said, He, the devil, has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is a liar. Now, elsewhere in the New Testament, 1 Peter says this. It says, stay alert. 
Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And lest you be tempted to think that Satan is just a figment of somebody's imagination or that he's some kind of a fairy tale, I want you to know that the Bible treats Satan with, with re- reality. He's a, a very real character. He's a very real being in this world. And Jesus said he's a liar. And unfortunately, he's been the sex ed teacher for many years. And this morning before we go on, I want you to hear some of the lies that Satan has been telling us for quite some time. What's up, Satan? So, talking sex. I'm ready. Uh, so you for oral sex? Definitely for oral sex. Definitely. Wait, but is oral sex sex? Uh, it's not sex. Uh, I plead the fifth. If you're living uh, in today's age and and you're not okay with oral sex, I, you you know the '90s have called. It's what you do. You you get dinner, you have a movie, uh, oral sex. You go home at night. That's I mean that's it's part of the dating process. I mean. Don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Uh, will premarital sex help your dating relationship? I, I definitely, I'd say, you know, you got to get after that early. you got to start early. Will, uh, will living together help you prepare for marriage? You know, here's the deal. You know, you wouldn't buy a car without going out and put some miles on it. And I, I mean, how, how, how could you marry someone if you don't even know what it's going to be like? I mean, you've got to try that out. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, what do you think about pornography? The, the biggest problem with pornography, in my mind, is that kids today don't realize how hard it used to be to get pornography. You used to have to work to get that stuff. You actually had to go to the store. Is this, uh, is this decaf or...? Think about masturbation. Uh, masturbation, definitely for it. Uh, I'll tell you what, I gotta give it up. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't create things, but I gotta thank God for masturbation. L- let me tell you something about masturbation. Number one, masturbation's never hurt anybody, all right? And number two, Masturbation's awesome. I don't do it, though, personally. What adultery? Do you really want to be locked down with one person? There's probably, what, like six billion people in the world? I mean, that might be what your grandparents thought. We're in a different generation, baby. I've done lots of great things for you. Uh, cats. And... The plague. So... What about, uh, homosexuality? If a guy wants to be with another guy, Hey, props to him. More chicks for the rest of us. Am I right? Huh? He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I don't have a problem with it personally. I mean, you like diet soda, I don't. You know? You know what I'm saying? Is that kind of hard to watch? Kind of hard to watch, but here's the deal. Not one of those things that that Satan character said is anything different than your kids are hearing in school every day, either in the locker room or in the hallway or in the sex ed class. It's on TV. It's in the movies. These are the core fundamental beliefs of our culture about sex. And although here in a church, we don't like hearing them said like that, this is what Satan has been teaching us for many years. And what Jesus said is that the devil is a liar. But here's what Jesus said about himself. He said, you will know the truth 
And the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. Would you read that out loud with me? And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So for the next three weeks after today, we're going to be talking about the lies that many of us have been believing about sex and the truth that will set us free. Next week, we're going to talk about the lies that your children have heard and what they need to know truthfully about sex. And then the week after that, we'll be talking about married people, some of the lies they've been told and the truth they need to know. And then the last one will be what single people need to know about sex, some of the lies that are out there, and how truth can set you free. One more time, say this with me. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Somebody say amen. Amen. All right. We're past the hardest part today, okay? So everybody say, yeah, all right. Here we go. I want to start at the very beginning of the Bible. And if you brought your Bible today, if you'd turn with me to Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3, or if you use an electronic device like I do, you can look up on that. I welcome that. I want to start with the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. And there's some very important things that we learn about sexuality and especially about how it relates to God's creation in the very first chapters of the book of Genesis. And I'm going to start with the very last verse of Genesis chapter 2, and then we're going to launch into Genesis chapter 3. And Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, if you've got your Bibles open or it's up here on the screen, uh, it says this. Now, Adam and Eve, the man and his wife, were both what? They were naked. You didn't like saying that word, right? Say it louder. They they were... (laughs) Not that loud. Okay. They were naked, but they felt no what? They were both naked, but they felt no shame. What a beautiful state of being in, to be able to just have this innocence with absolutely no shame or embarrassment. It wasn't like, why are you looking at me like that? Or why are you touching me like that? There there was none of that uncomfortability. God's creation was perfect, and it was beautiful, and it was shameless. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3. You can follow along with me in your Bibles if you're following along. It says this, the serpent, and we know later on that the serpent was the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat of of the fruit of any of the trees of the garden? Here's where temptation comes from. In any area of our lives, it starts with the question, Did God really say that? From the very first humans, that's the seed of where temptation comes from, questioning whether or not God really meant what he said. And and the woman replied this way, verse 2, Of course we can eat from any any of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It's only from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it, And if you do, you will die. Now look at what the serpent said in verse 4. He said, you won't die. That's how he replied. Verse 5, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And verse 6 says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. The fruit looked delicious. And look at this. 
She wanted the wisdom it would give her. Isn't this how sin works in our lives? At the end of the day, we just want what we want. And so it says, so she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt what? Shame at their nakedness. All of a sudden, they felt shame at their nakedness. In fact, I felt so much shame at their nakedness that I just kind of pixelated out the, the parts of that picture there because it's not pretty. And so... Um, <laughs> But this is what happens when we disobey God. Shame comes along. And so here's their solution. It says, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, what's interesting is I've done quite a little reading this last week about fig leaves. I, I wanted to learn as much as I could. And one of the authors that I read said this. The fig leaves that Adam and Eve used to cover themselves quite likely had little tiny thorns all over those fig leaves. And so when they sewed them together and put them to cover their private areas, it had to have been painful and uncomfortable. Every time you go to cover up your sin, it really only leads to pain and discomfort. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. But if you're taking notes this morning, here's what you can write down next. Because this is so important for us to understand. This very first deception on the part of the serpent involved sexuality. The very first deception involved sexuality. And I've, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to this in Genesis chapter 3. But, but it involved their sexuality and it involved their innocence and their shame. As soon as Adam and Eve were deceived, that innocence was lost. Have you ever been around like a, a two-year-old who is just absolutely free with their, with their nakedness you know have you ever been in the room uh we we were with our friends colt and Susie one time and little preston just ran in the room naked and he just spins around he's just so happy you know and runs out of the room you know no clothes on and everybody's just like whoa where did that come from you know just innocence but if i did that on a sunday morning you know (laughs) connect churches no more it's all over it's just it's not appropriate right and, and, but God created us to be innocent and without shame. And I'm not saying we should all start walking around naked. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, several years ago, my wife and I were on a backpacking trip. We're on a backpacking trip. <laughs> we're on a backpacking trip with my nephew in, in Glacier Park. And, and we had hiked about 10, 11 miles into this beautiful lake. And Chris and I had been there before. We're excited to show my 14-year-old nephew this gorgeous lake. And we come around the corner and out of the cover of trees. And here's the lake. And there's two people sunbathing naked right at the edge of the lake. And we're like, Zeke, don't look, don't look, you know, because we're trying to protect his little innocent eyes. But we all know that's just not even in the middle of the wilderness. It's just not appropriate if there's other people around to be naked, right? Why? Because everything changed when sin came into the world. And this is what I want you to know this morning is this. Our sexuality is Satan's easiest door to shame. I'm not saying it's the only door, 
but it's the easiest door that Satan can enter into our hearts and our minds and our spirits and bring us to a place of deep shame. And I want you to think about something this morning. I want you just personally to think about the first time you were exposed to something that just wasn't right. When was the first time you were exposed to something that just wasn't right? For me, it was when I was in third grade. And and I remember it vividly like it happened yesterday. My third grade teacher, I think I must have been eight or nine years old. Is that about the age of a third grader? Uh, For whatever reason, my third grade teacher thought it was appropriate to mention to the class that she had once met Hugh Hefner. And in my third grade little mind, I'm like, everybody in the class is like, ooh, you know. I didn't know who that was. I had been protected from that whole world. And uh, the teacher mentioned it. And after class, I asked one of my classmates, what, you know, what did that mean? What's going on? And he said, oh, that's, that's Playboy magazine. So my curiosity is aroused. And as a little eight-year-old boy, I made my way to the corner store. And there on the magazine rack in front of everything is a Playboy magazine. And I pulled it down and I start leafing through that magazine. And as a third grader, all of a sudden, everything changed for me. My mind was changed. Uh, There was shame that immediately came on. The best way I can describe it is that at that moment, I had experienced a sexual injury. And I wonder for you what that moment was. In all likelihood, all of us in this room would say there was a moment when our innocence was taken from us and we experienced a sexual injury. So this morning, I want to ask you two questions, and they're on your note cards. Uh, You don't necessarily need to write this down, but I hope that today you will take an inventory of your life and you will honestly answer these questions, even if it's just in your mind, to think about and meditate on through this next week. Here's the first question I want to ask you today. What seed of sexual shame has Satan placed in your life? What seed of sexual shame has Satan placed in your life? Maybe as a child, somebody touched you in a way that made you feel dirty or afraid or confused. Maybe, maybe the shame came in a moment and, and, and from that time you were a little kid, you have felt guilt and shame even to this day. You could, you could see the whole thing if you replayed it in your mind. That's the moment that Satan placed sexual shame into your life. Or maybe as a kid you did something sexually and to this day you're deeply ashamed of it. Your thought processes would change. Your, your innocence was lost. Or maybe for you you've had homosexual thoughts or actions that you've participated in and and that would be the seed of sexual shame for you maybe it happened later in your life and at some point you were fooling around with with somebody you were dating and you're thinking there's nothing wrong with this everybody's doing it it feels good it's just great and 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 it ultimately brought you shame or maybe you're here today and you believe the the idea that sex would bring you love. And so you gave in and you gave yourself away and then you found out that it wasn't love at all. It was just sex. Or maybe there's some other seed of sexual shame that Satan has planted in your life. 
What is it for you? What I want you to know is that Adam and Eve were created to be naked and unashamed, but now, once everything had changed, they felt naked and vulnerable. So what did they do? We all read it together. What did they do? They covered up. They covered up. Have you ever had a dream where you got somewhere and you were just buck naked? Anybody? You'll just admit that, that dream? Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one that needs therapy. It just, you know, that just <laughs> happens sometimes. It's awful. And, and, and in that dream, what do you do? You're just like, where are my clothes? And you're, you know, grabbing at things. And you just want to, and, and if, you, if you have one of those dreams, sometimes there's just nothing to cover up with. And it's horrible, awful dream, right? And, and we all need therapy if we're having those dreams. But um, <laughs> we just have this urge to cover up. And sadly, what we do is a lot of times we end up covering up sin. And this is what Adam and Eve did. If you've still got your Bibles open, in Genesis chapter 3, we'll keep reading starting at verse 8. Here's a little more of the story. It says this, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man Adam and his wife heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And now listen very carefully to how Adam responded. He said, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And here's what I think is very interesting about this story. Adam wasn't ashamed because he had disobeyed God. He was ashamed because he was naked. Do you hear what I'm saying? He wasn't ashamed because he had disobeyed God. He was ashamed because he was naked. And what we can learn from that illustration is this. Shame leads us to wrong thinking. When we are bowed down with shame, when we give in to that awful feeling that that Satan has planted in our hearts and we begin covering up like Adam and Eve did, it leads to wrong thinking. Adam should have been ashamed because of his disobedience, because of his sin, but it went straight to the naked thing. He was ashamed and was hiding because he was naked. And shame leads us to wrong thinking. And here's the deal. Wrong thinking leads us to wrong actions. And wrong actions lead to destruction in our lives. And for you, maybe you have given in to wrong thinking and you have acted on wrong thinking and you can look back on your life and see the destruction that has come because you've believed a lie. And you've acted on the lie and everything has fallen apart for you and it all started with the shame. When I was a kid, I can remember, uh, I can remember that experience at the corner store, seeing that first magazine. And, and over the years, I can remember uh, that, that desire being awakened in me and, and, and a hunger for, uh, for, for more pornography. And it was... It was something that I, I, I did, and I, I deeply regret to this day. And uh, I can remember, uh, specifically, I had a, a young friend whose grandfather had a big stack of pornographic magazines in his bedroom. And uh, we would sneak in there and look at those magazines and pull them out. And, and, and if we were ever caught, or if, if somebody was out the door, we're, we're covering up and we're, we're lying and we're telling something that is not true because we didn't want to get caught. There was shame, and we were covering it up. And... And that's what we do when we sin, is we cover it up. 
And I want to ask you again this morning, what's the seed of shame that Satan has planted in your life? Maybe very different than mine. Here's the second question. And it relates to this story of Adam and Eve as well. What dangerous and painful covering are you hiding behind? What dangerous and painful covering are you hiding behind? You may think in your heart, because of what happened to me, because of what I did, I'm a bad person. And the shame causes you to label yourself. In fact, I'd just like to, I'd just like to illustrate for you the difference between guilt and shame. Because I believe that guilt is a good thing, and shame is something that we need to sh- remove from our lives. And, and here's the difference, and I don't think this is in your notes, but it's up here on the screen. Here's what guilt is. Guilt is when you say, I feel bad because of what I did. Shame is when you say to yourself, I am bad because of what I did. Do you see the difference? When we feel bad because of something we did, uh, we can come to Jesus and we understand that Jesus forgives. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we've come to Jesus and he's cleansed us from all unrighteousness, what does that mean? It means we're righteous, right? Turn to your neighbor, look him in the eye and say, I am righteous. Okay, was that hard for anybody? Okay, because we, we don't view ourselves as being righteous, even though most of us in this room are Christians, most of us have come to Jesus, we don't view ourselves as righteous. Why? Because we feel shame and we believe I am bad because of what I did. You may be guilty, friends, but when you come to Jesus, he is faithful and just to wipe your sins away. Gone. Cleansed. You are righteous. I don't know. I just feel prompted right now to pray. I wasn't even planning this, but I just feel prompted to pray. Would you just bow your heads with me? Jesus, in this, in this moment, I feel prompted that there are many of us here today that just need to be cleansed of unrighteousness. And so Jesus, right now, we're just bringing this guilt. Uh, Something that we did has made us feel guilty. Some of us feel deeply shameful. We're just bringing it to you right now. And we're just saying, Jesus, I confess it. I release it. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Wash me clean. Just wash me, Jesus. And I believe that you're doing that even now as we pray. In your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Now, will you all look at me? Just look straight in my eyes. Will you say to me, I am righteous? And if you prayed that prayer now or ever before, I want you to know Jesus has washed you. You can release the shame. You're not bad. Jesus has cleansed you. The guilt is gone. Isn't that good news? Mm -hmm. So let me ask you again. What dangerous and painful covering are you hiding behind? Uh, For me, for many years, it was lying. I I felt ashamed of who I was. and, And so I would lie to cover up who I really was. I would lie to cover up the shame. 
And I'll tell you what, it, it severely impacted a number of my relationships. Very, very difficult because I was not telling the truth. I was ashamed of the truth of who I was and I, wouldn't, I, I, I just wouldn't tell the truth. For some of you, maybe you've developed some kind of a false image of who you are and you, you've created this persona and nobody can really crack that exterior because you're ashamed of who you really are. Some of you, because of the shame... Uh, the covering that you have is that you don't let people get close to you. And so you've built up walls and, and everybody sees kind of this exterior. They, everything looks good, but you're not going to let anybody penetrate that wall that you've built. Nobody's going to be close to you. Some of you are hiding behind unreasonable expectations of other people. And you are demanding that people be so perfect and so so right for you and, and everything has just got to be so or you're going to reject them out of your lives. Why? Because you're afraid that because of your shame, they're going to reject you. In fact, I've known people who, who it's almost like they're saying inside of their hearts, I am going to find something wrong with you. And maybe that's you. Some of you have been hiding behind promiscuity. And so you've been engaging in lots of sex all the time, one night stands, hookups, whatever it is. You're just sleeping with anybody and everybody and it's, you're hiding behind that because intimacy, real intimacy with another human being is too scary. And so you choose promiscuity instead. What dangerous and painful covering are you hiding behind? I want you to know this morning that Jesus wants to wash you clean and free you from the shame. So here's what I want you to do. The question is, what are we going to do when we've been hurting and hiding for so long? What are we going to do? I want to ask you this morning to drop the fig leaf. Whatever it is that you've been hiding behind, would you drop it? Would you take off the mask? Would you stop building the walls to prevent people from knowing who you are? Drop the fig leaf. Several years ago, when Chris and I first started Connect Church, we had a wonderful couple that was attending uh, here at Connect, and, and we invested quite a lot of time in them, and we loved them deeply, and one day I got a phone call from uh, the wife, and she called, and she said, Russ, we're just having terrible, terrible problems in our marriage, and can you come and visit with us? And so I went over, and we sat in their living room, and, and we started visiting, and and it was like as we were talking, I, I knew that we weren't really getting to the root of the problem. And then all of a sudden, she just blurted out what the secret shame was that was destroying their marriage. And she just blurted it out. And, and it had to do with sexual behaviors that they had engaged in as a couple that was bringing her such deep, deep shame. And as we were talking and we prayed together, and, and I could tell that it gave her so much relief to just drop the fig leaf and to let somebody else know what it was that was keeping her in bondage. But as we were talking, the husband wouldn't look me in the eye, and he just kept averting his eyes and looking away, and, and, and he just wouldn't acknowledge me. And the next Sunday, she came to church, but he wouldn't come. And over the next couple of months, he would come just once in a while, but it was the same thing. He wouldn't look at me, and, and the shame was just debilitating to him. And he wouldn't drop the fig leaf. And finally, they just disappeared. They just disappeared. Because he couldn't deal with his shame. And he wouldn't drop the fig leaf. Here's the truth, friends. There are some things that only grow in the dark. Things like fungus, okay? 
That's actually athlete's foot fungus. Isn't that pretty? Grows in the dark. Mold grows in the dark. Really, really ugly fish grow in the dark. <laughs> and friends, your shame grows in the dark. It's time to drop the fig leaf. Let me give you four suggestions for how you can do that because I, I want you to know in a practical way how you can drop the fig leaf and be free of the shame in your life. Here's number one. I, I would suggest to you that if you have not yet done it to confess your secret shame. If you've been a victim, if somebody else has done something to you that made you feel dirty and awful and guilty, let somebody else know about it. Or if you've been the offender, if you're somebody that's done something wrong to another person and you've hidden that for years, confess your secret shame and let Jesus begin to heal you instead of covering it up with the fig leaf. Secondly, I want to suggest for many of you you may need to get biblical counseling. Get biblical counseling. And, and I chose my words very carefully here. Um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just going to any old shrink, okay? I, I know lots of people that have gone to counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists and whatever else they are. And if they don't hold to the truths of the Bible, they're going to give you bad advice. And they may tell you some of the lies that Satan is telling our culture. They may say, oh, the best way you can get rid of your shame is to just give in to your impulses. That's what most people in our culture are doing today. If you feel guilty about who you are, just give in to it and make sure that everybody else is okay with you too. In fact, change the laws so that nobody has to feel guilty or shameful about anything. That's not the answer. The answer is to change the way you think. The answer is to change the way you think. Here's what Romans 12, 2 says. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Say that out loud with me, would you? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But now listen to this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's where freedom is going to come. And so if you need counseling, if you need somebody to help you, you can go to your small group leader. You can go to somebody in your small group who's able to just walk you through passages in the Bible and, and they can say, think about this, pray about this, change the way you think about this. Uh, our pastoral staff is available to meet with you if you need to. There's lots of people here at Connect that would be happy to offer you biblical counseling, coaching, whatever it might be, from a Christian perspective so you can change the way you think. Transformation comes from changing the way you think. The truth will set you free. Here's suggestion number three. Admit to a secret sin. If there's something that you have been mired in and a behavior that's just repeating again and again and again, talk to somebody about it. I carried around a great deal of shame from that moment as a third grader on through my teen years, my high school years, all through college, and finally after I was out of college, I finally decided I have to drop the fig leaf and tell somebody what I'm struggling with. I will never forget the day that I sat down with my good friend Jay and just said, Jay, you need to know who the real Russell is. Changed my life. He looked me in the eyes. It was a very short conversation. He looked me in the eyes and he said, Russ, Jesus forgives you. 
and so do I. And he hugged me. It was like hugging Jesus. Sometimes you just need to know that who you are and what you've done isn't, isn't the unforgivable sin. Jesus forgives. Let me tell you, Connect Church is a safe place to be who you really are. You don't have to hide behind the fig leaf. And then lastly, number four, take your hurt to Jesus. Take your hurt to Jesus. As we finish up today, we're going to spend some time in prayer and worship. And if sexual shame is something you're struggling with today, I want you to know that you can meet Jesus right here in this room and let him heal you. Let him heal you. And this is what I want you to do. Would you take your Bibles and all your papers and stuff and would you just lay them aside and so, so we can have an under, uninterrupted prayer time uh, I'm just going to ask us if we can uh, receive the offering right now real quick, and the band's going to come up on stage and uh, get ready to lead us in worship. And if we can just get the offering out of the way, uh, we'll be done with that, and then we'll just have the freedom to worship and sing and pray together. And of course, if you would grab your connection cards and drop those in the offering too, and and if you're making a decision to come to Jesus today for the first time, or if you've been alienated from God in any way and you're coming back to Jesus, would you mark your card, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, and I would love to be able to share some next steps with you and, uh, and help you know how it is to, to really follow Jesus. Go ahead and pass the baskets as soon as you're ready, guys. I have one more verse that I want to read to you. Don't put it up just yet. I'm going to wait till all the baskets go by, and then I want you to hear this. I found this verse this week, and it just meant so much to me personally. Would you look at the screen? Listen to this verse. From the book of Job. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins and leave all your iniquity behind you. And then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Has your shame made you miserable? I want you to know today, it can just flow away as freely as water when you just come to Jesus. Prepare your heart, lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of your sins. Leave your iniquity behind you. Your face will brighten with innocence. Not interested in all of us running around naked. But I am interested in all of us having our innocence restored the way Jesus intended it to be. Let's stand together.
Ah. Uh-huh. 